0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message. But, but I have to share this for a moment. And, and one of the things that I've learned about God is God likes to play, Jesus likes to play peekaboo. How many of y'all ever played peekaboo? Don't lie, you've done it. You don't even know what happens to you. Something possesses you. Wait till you have grandchildren. They will turn a grown man into a little piece of tomato. My grandsons, they own me. My son watches how I treat them and he says, what happened to my father? I used to get beat for that. what I love to do with my grandsons. They, they, they recently moved from California. <laughs> thank you, Lord. And, uh, to, to Texas. And, but I love to do this and I still do it. I did it last night with a Friday night with them. I, I'll FaceTime them and I love to play peekaboo with them. You know what it's like to play. Jesus played peekaboo. And the reason why you play peekaboo with your kids is it's like this, that, you know, they put their hands over their face and you put your hands over your face and you can be in a restaurant and everybody's trying to have a real elegant dinner. But if it's happening, you're going to get loud. Amen. I mean, I don't care. And you just go peekaboo and they jump and you jump and you scare each other and they're "Eh." Jesus did that. But the reason why we play peekaboo with our kids is we're actually teaching them, even though you cannot see us, we're still here. That's what you're teaching your kids. You may not see daddy or pappy, but I'm still here. And Jesus did that over and over after resurrection because he was letting them know whether it was about what I'm about to preach about at a table or whether it was an upper room experience. He would constantly walk up and they would turn around and he would be gone because he was teaching them the day is coming where you cannot see me, but I'm still here. So let me preach about a message simply called the road to brokenness. And I need you to understand. I love what a great minister he's in heaven now said. He said, men throw away broken things, but God can only use you if you're broken. I'm going to preach about a lost anointing in the church. Because in the day and age of selfie, crowd hype, picturesque Christianity, in the day and age of presentation and hipster theologian, in the day and age of making it, everybody think you got it all together, the place of brokenness cannot be captured on a camera. It's captured in the broken, spilled out place. But you need to understand, it's what David said in Psalms 51, what he desires is not a big ministry name because God doesn't care about your ministry, he cares about his name. What he desires, what the, the Lord actually desires has nothing to do with modern ministry. It's not about how many followers you got. In fact, you're really not doing the work of the Lord unless you're losing followers. Let's get into the word. Because I'm finding myself increasingly frustrated. Because I don't fit in anymore. And over the next few minutes, and thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. It's good to see you tonight. Over the next few minutes, you're going to feel this rope moment where God is pulling you to the altar. When humanity meets divinity, it's an altar call so I'm going to preach about the power of the altar the, the, the Psalms tie me to the altar moment the, the love of God constrains me moment but the Bible is full of altar calls and but I'm finding myself even increasingly frustrated because I can't explain this frustration I don't know what's going on inside of me except whenever God is getting ready to take you to another level he has to frustrate you he has to because I always say it but sitting Christians hatch hypocrites so God has to frustrate you because you weren't called to be normal. The only thing that should be planted like an oak tree is your faith. But see, you have to understand he has to stir you up because it's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 3, that frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. It's when God begins to shift you because the remnant always understands that God has chosen them to leave a life of compromise for the spirit of consecration but consecration means separate And we always like make me holy Lord really you want holiness because holiness is the only word we can't be That's why the Jews call him holy because we can't actually attain that we should try to be that but we'll never be there It's the one word that separates because holy means separate Not a part of the crowd Not in the camera But what I have found out is my greatest encounters with God have not always happened in a large sanctuary. They've happened in the place of the tomb where he's trying to change me. And those of us that live by this mantle, what I call the altered mantle, the mantra of Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everyone who calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and it goes on to say how beautiful their feet are. Those that are called to preach. When you live like that, you must be careful to wear the anointing, but not drink the oil because it'll make you fat. And so you have to understand if God is going to continue to use you and you're not going to be a one hit wonder and an embarrassment to the cross, you have to find a hiding place with him you have to disappear from the crowd jesus understood this he said hey disciples mark the third chapter he said the crowd's getting on my nerves i got to go so i'm preaching the road to brokenness you want revival this is the element that god desires what does he desire a broken spirit so, I must speak to the ones that have been a little weary and a little frustrated because the ones that need an answer to, to what's going on. And the answer to your frustration is often. Hidden in your destination You're not going to get an answer Do you get there? It's Augustine of Hippo said Hope has two beautiful daughters, anger and courage Anger at the way things are, encouraged To make sure they do not remain so God has to get you frustrated Because he's trying to wake some of you up And it's in that place of I must have an answer that you begin To realize he was actually there the whole time It's just that the teacher doesn't Talk when he gives a test. Can I preach this To anybody for a second? I'm talking about The place of the encounter because Suddenly, are preceded by obedience everybody you need to understand God is sitting there saying I've been talking all this time I've been whispering to you but now I'm going to be quiet because I'm going to see if you act on what I put in you and I'm talking about the place of the altar can I preach this didn't plan on preaching this this afternoon I got overwhelmed But the Bible says, I want to take you to a place, Luke chapter 24. Let's go there very quickly because in a few moments, and again, I want to remind you that if any moment Holy Spirit moves upon your spirit, not man, but Holy Spirit does, and you need to come to the altar, when you come down, be prepared to die. Bible says in Luke chapter 24 looking at verse 30 when he was at the table with them he took the bread gave thanks broke it and began to give it to them then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight peekaboo you don't see the peekaboo but it's there they ask each other we're not our heart this reminds me of mine and your conversations pastor jeremiah when we're on a call when i get off the call with you i i I mean i live on a ranch i could run out and jump on one of them cows I could literally run out and jump on a heifer. I'm telling you, uh, I get so excited. I get so stirred up. And I'm like, if you're waiting on me, you're backing up. That's redneck term. All right. It's it's I I get so stirred up because you better find out who's sitting at your table. You know, do you burn the same burn? You get what I'm saying? I'm going to get into that a little bit more. But but he goes on to say, and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because this is actually the first altar call after the cross. And it wasn't a massive crowd. It wasn't a big conference. And they didn't hype it up for six months with a different uh, 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 something on Instagram every day. Another video to make sure we're getting people there. They didn't even start offering 25% discounts for this. This was simply a moment after the cross that was unexpected. And they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I'm talking to those that God is calling on the road to emancipation in this room where he cuts away the old, where he begins to deliver you. See, you have to understand God often does things backwards than what I would do. He doesn't respond like I thought he if if, when Karen was diagnosed with leukemia we write about that and restore the roar he he waited a year for the complete healing I don't understand it I promise we're gonna have a staff meeting when I get to heaven but what I've learned is don't backslide over the mysteries You can't backslide over mysteries because the gospel is a mystery. The word mysterion in the Greek means I can't speak about it because I don't know how to explain it. Don't back. When people say to me, how in the world does a small child die of this disease at two years old? I don't know. Except Jesus said in John 16, in this life you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart I overcame the world. And then I look at him and say, I can't backslide over the mysteries. It makes no sense, but I can't let it own me. Because if I stop there, I'll miss what he's got. Oh, I got to keep going. In fact, in fact I've learned that when... Now, I hope you're catching where I'm going. Because I have found that when you're really close to getting free, you're even closer to giving up. I mean, you're right on the edge of freedom, but the whisper to quit is right there. I was watching tonight as I came in some of the precious anointed ladies coming up from the house. And I'm uh, and and I'm and, and is a Freedom Farm is a house of hope. Uh, me and you both when you hey, listen, when you preached all day, it's like being on drugs. I'm going to tell you right now. We have flashbacks about stuff we didn't do. <laughs> but I saw those ladies walking up and I'm going, that's. That's the ones that God's gonna use that's the one God's, of. He God does the opposite, not the ones that come strutting in, got it all together, dressed to the nine, walking around, spent more money on your suit than you've ever given in tithe, and all of a sudden, you come walking in like you got it all together, glancing around, you know, reading the room, and then you go, that's the, yeah, that when I was growing up, that was, man, that was the ones that had it all together, but let me show you the kingdom, the ones that come walking up a hill that have been through something, and they know had to not been for him they wouldn't be here they should be dead in an alley somewhere they should be laid up in some place where nobody can find them if it had to that's the that's who jesus eats with all you religious people go get your fried chicken and shut up because there's a moment where you have to understand god don't hang out with them in fact he kind of hates them or hates their actions Forgive me, I caught caught up in a rant. Pastor Jeremiah does that to me. But John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, said it best. You know who John Newton is, right? He owned a slave ship. He was the worst of the worst. I'm just waiting on culture to cancel Amazing Grace because they don't know the story. But it was while on a slave ship that God got a hold of him and showed him that he was wrong, that all men are created equal and he has an encounter with God and he would later write Amazing Grace and would spend the rest of his life rescuing slaves and freeing them. How about we have the grace we're begging for? But he said this, God often takes a course of accomplishing his purpose directly contrary to what our narrow views would prescribe. He brings a death upon our feelings, wishes, and prospects when he is about to give us the desires of our heart. In other words, if you want it, you don't get it. When you don't want it, he'll give it to you. That's the opposite God. That's the way he operates. He waits till he has to get all credit. He's like that. Are you getting this so far? Because here's the situation. Jesus has been dead for three days. The disciples are in disarray Rome is hunting for the body of Jesus and they're even starting a lie and blaming it on his disciples the the, the Jews are freaked out because they brought the charges they did this and so now you've got these disciples one has just had a major moral failure three days before and the other one killed himself so now there's only 10 of them then they're sitting in hiding their pictures up in the post office is most wanted they now belong to a renegade band of nobodies and it's not what he promised and they are offended And they start breaking into pairs. That's called a church split. And two of them decide, we're done, we're out, we're going on vacation, we're going to Warm Springs, Arkansas. Emmaus means Warm Springs, so I threw the Arkansas part in there. And they're on a seven mile journey and they're complaining. One of them is the uncle of Jesus, the brother of Joseph by the name of Cleopas. And they're walking along and they're complaining and they're whining to each other. And the Bible says that in Luke 24, verse 13, they're on this seven mile journey. And it says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, which means Warm Springs, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that happened. Can I stop right there and just say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I have found out about... COVID, it has been amazing at separating some people that weren't supposed to be together. But it's also separated those that should be in agreement. Because we have our six foot distant mask on and we're going, I come into agreement with you over there. I'll stop. But I just want you to know, you better know who you're walking with. You better know who you're talking with because it's the Matthew eighteen nineteen. Again, I say to you, if any two agree together, you know, you can agree in godly things and you can agree in demonic things. And it's Amos 3, can two walk together unless they agree? Do you understand? There's a moment where you better realize the ones you're walking with, and these two disciples are walking along, and somehow they've they've got hung up together, and, and, you know, uh, spirits begat spirits, and iron sharpens iron, and sponges sponge off each other, and they're walking along, and they're complaining, because now they are nobodies. Now they need to just throw away their ministry business cards, nobody knows who they are. They're not important anymore. They're not going to be a part of the Knights of the Round Table anymore. And all of a sudden, they get interrupted by freedom. Write that down. Interrupted by freedom. And all of a sudden, as they're walking along, they don't realize it, but Jesus walks up. But they're so caught up in gloom, despair and agony on me that they don't even recognize him. Look what it says in the verse right here in Luke, the 24th chapter, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along, but they were kept from recognizing him. Has your issue got so big you don't see God? Now after you've visited every doctor and talked to every psychologist and you've made every phone call and you've searched MD WebMD enough times, maybe you ought to ask him if he's in the room. Because I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. Their battle was so intense they couldn't see it. He was there all the time. It's Psalms 51 verse 16. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. It's it's Galatians 5.1. Christ set us free. So don't go back to slavery. Some of us, because we won't give him whole ownership we keep getting on by the old and your issue is blinding your god told me to preach this today so i mean if i if i make you mad i'll just blame pastor jason but but he loves emails on my behalf so But the Bible says in Luke 24, verse 17, I'm going somewhere now because it's going to get powerful. It says, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, this is his uncle, by the way, ask him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? He got smart with Jesus. He bowed up on Jesus. He caught an attitude with the one that could free him. And Jesus looks at, this is so cool. This is like a, I mean, this is a comedy sketch moment. Because Jesus looks at him all of a sudden and goes. He asked them, what are you talking about as you walk along? I wonder if he waved the hole in his arm. I wonder if he went, what things? Zzt. a little stiff <laughs> got a speck of blood still right here but what things about jesus of nazareth they replied he was a pow- prophet powerful in word and deed before god and all the people they literally start telling god his resume but it goes on to say in verse 21 but we had hoped. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him, but we had hoped. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We had hoped. That's past tense. We had hoped that he was the one, capital O, who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more is the third day. right right in the middle of their miracle they're doubting because God didn't do it the way you thought he would do it Right in the middle of their moment, they are doubting what things he asked. What things? Oh, you're not getting, but we had hope. Can you see this? They're doubting the promises of God. And in verse 23 to 24, Cleopas tells Jesus about the tomb being empty, about the angel sitting there, but no Jesus. They have now, they know he is no longer in the tomb and they're upset about it and they don't realize he's standing right there with them because they're so ate up with what they dealt with yesterday they can't see the present and all of a sudden had they forgotten or was the noise of their disappointment so loud they had forgotten that he had promised in john chapter 2 verse 19 tear this temple down and i will raise it up again in three days had they forgotten the promises that he said i must go in had they forgotten he was the unleavened bread unleavened bread is always hidden the ground for three days and rises Had they forgotten? I've got to tell somebody you forgot what he promised. Scott is while I'm preaching going to bring back memory reels in your mind of promises that he gave you. And every time one hits you, I want you to raise your hand so I know it's happening to you right now. Because he's going to start reminding you of things he said he would do. Promising you what he said he would do. And you better pray against that spirit of delay to be broken. But there's a moment where you begin to realize, listen, they had just seen the greatest altar call in history. And everything had changed at the cross. And I just want to say this to you: write it down. Your wavering is causing wandering, because you got people watching you. You don't know. We must stop wavering between pendants. It's that moment where you ask, seek, and knock, and you're only steps away from revelation. And Luke 24, verse 25 says this. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. And all of a sudden, Jesus preaches the entire Bible to them he literally gives his resume did not not Messiah have to suffer these things and enter in his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to what was said in all the scriptures concerning him you're not getting this he literally went from scripture to scripture he went to Isaiah 9 Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9 Isaiah 53, he began to walk through passages of scripture in the Bible from Malachi all the way before that Hosea Bethlehem of Egypt, he began to walked through all the prophecies of him that would come he began to declare Daniel the wheel within a wheel oh you're not getting this yet he literally preached the entire eschatology of who he was they just went to Bible college in about a two hour stint and he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself if he's still got to prove it to his own family. And can I just say this to you because your wavering is causing wandering. To ask Jesus to marry a bipolar bride is to ask him to love someone that believes relationship is dictated by the right circumstances. This isn't new. What is a bipolar bride? you love him today you doubt him tomorrow you praise him the next day you curse him on another day you don't even know who he is because all he is is your Santa Claus your Easter Bunny wrapped up in a Halloween mask and God says I'm looking for somebody that will get on their knees in their house and learn how to crawl to me in that moment of I must have an aunt somebody help me preach we are raising up the entertainment bride and they're going to have an affair every time you can't please them. Do another drama. Sing another new song. Preach another good sermon for me, Pastor, because I just can't stay safe this week unless you do that. And, and, and nothing makes me madder. When I, I saw somebody, and, and I'm sure their heart was pure on this, but they posted a couple days ago, I'm listening to so-and-so preach. He, he got me saved. No! Karen and I have been a part of seeing over 2 million come to Christ, not to count the last few weeks, but we've literally ministered over 16 million in the last few weeks at conferences all around the world. But I will never say I got somebody saved. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. If it's tied to a man, it will die with a man. It's not about him. No man got you saved. Oh, this, this church releases a spirit of rant in me. No, because you're free. This isn't new. This is 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 21 where Elijah stood before the people and said, how long will we waver between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. But they said nothing. This is a continual wavering, a continual wavering. Some of us are saved and we're all up until the next election. And then all of a sudden we got a president running out there that we may not like too much, but we got this guy over here who believes it's okay to kill babies. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. And then we, and we get into all this thing and we start arguing with our neighbors and we don't even look like Jesus anymore because you look like a political party and God didn't, God did not birthed you as an elephant or a donkey. He birthed you as a lamb. And God's saying, I'm looking for somebody that can lay down your political stripes and not bow to a party, but bow to a cross and realize if it's not in here, because they're both messed up. Some of you think your doubting can diminish God, but I love what C.S. Lewis he said. He said he said a man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship Him than a lunatic can put the sun out by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of a cell. And God saying it's what Paul said when he gave a defense of who he was. He made this statement. He said, Think straight. First Corinthians 15, 34, awaken to the holiness of life. No more playing fast and loose with resurrection facts. Ignorance of God is a luxury you can't afford in times like these. Aren't you embarrassed that you've let this kind of thing go on for as long as you have? They're sitting there and they don't even know it. Can I just say it? Quit cheating on God. It's James chapter four, verse four. Look what it says right here. In, in, in the scripture, literally in James, the fourth chapter, it says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world, every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and, and, and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? He's jealous. And I'll close. But I'm telling you, some of you, God is about to, I saw it, man. mm I saw God beginning to cut puppet strings. I know that sounds crazy, but you've been a marionette of the world for too long. And I've seen God just walking through the crowd doing this, breaking things off people, held to bondage over something your mama said about you, held to bondage by what people have spoken about, held to bondage by a report card or some test you did bad on, held into bondage by the last job that didn't promote you. And God is saying, don't you know who you are? You are a child of the Most High God, and I allow you to sit at my table and go eye level with me and I've come to say one thing to this place because God's about to break out in here and you're going to lose your chair and you're going to lose your parking spot and you're going to be parking in that field out there and you're going to get mad because it's going to get muddy and your car going to get stuck and some some days the, the golf cart can't pick you up but all of a sudden you're like you know what I'm going to go down to that road that had, down the, down the road to that church that has that those 45 minute services and you're going to get down there and it's like walking into a giant buffet and somebody handing you a carrot stick and say, enjoy and god is saying i'm looking for somebody that will rise up that will shut up the complaining and rise up with a holy fire i know i sound harsh but i'm not meaning it i've been locked up a lot lately and god says i'm looking for those that don't care anymore where's them girls who was walking on that road where's those precious girls? stand up oh i've asked the lord my whole life to see the kingdom of god thank you lord The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, because scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. It's impossible to have compassion without first having pain. And that's why Jesus was able to preach his life to them without losing his cool. Because all of a sudden the Bible says, and I'm just going to say this to you. Don't leave without him. Don't leave without him tonight this is my favorite altar call don't somebody say don't leave without him And all of a sudden, the Bible says in Luke 24, verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on his way as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with him. You're not getting what I'm saying. They come up up on their house. They've come to the end of their seven mile journey destination. They've come to the beach house they rented to quit the ministry. And all of a sudden they come up to the front door of the house. And as they do, Jesus just kept going. And you ain't catching this verse right here. It wasn't till they turned around and said, Hey, 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 um, buddy, you want to you want to you stay? You're not getting what I'm saying. There are moments where God keeps going, there's moments where he doesn't stop because he gives you the power to invite him in. And something shifts the atmosphere when all of a sudden you stand up and say, Please stay. Don't leave me, don't walk away from me from me something changes in the atmosphere when a church says don't go down there don't go pour your spirit out in that city or that state pour it out right here i wish somebody in this house would get enough guts in your spirit to rise up and say please stay i'm waiting on somebody to do it no, 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 I'm looking for somebody that he can't do it anymore on their own. I'm looking for somebody that's exhausted and weary, and you feel like you've been doing this for a while by yourself. I'm looking for the invitation of the mighty. I'm called to the great one. I'm looking for the one that can simply, in his grossness, turn around and say, I was waiting on that. Somebody that's been through a little bit of hell lately, cry out with everything in your belly, please stay. figured out in America how to have church without him. That's why Revelation 3 says he's standing on the front porch banging on the door, but then he, you know what he did with this virus? He let us learn what it's like to be locked out beside him. We let it, we got to feel what it's like in a lot of places around America where they say, no, the doors are locked. You can go buy cannabis, you can go buy liquor, and you can go have an abortion, but don't go praise him. Somebody say, please stay. stay. Quit stopping church before the breakthrough. I promise you, he probably won't show up in our normal hours. No revival in history has he showed up in the normal hours. It's going to be a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night when you're running in and all of a sudden you come running in and you're just trying to get the kids from the youth group and you're mad at Pastor Luke for keeping them too long in the altar. Never understood that as a pastor. I'm like, you heathen. We're saving your kid from hell anyway. And remember, I did it for 10 years. So I know what that's like, babe. I'm calling on this house to say, please stay. Because I have a feeling that he is visiting this church. Come on, worship team. Let's fake him out. Let's make it look like we're almost done. (laughs) That's good stuff. See, I figured right now, and you got up here pretty quick, Jennifer, usually it takes about four minutes. That's four more minutes. Next time, walk slower. Karen and I went on the road in 1997 as evangelists. We walked away from a, but at that moment was one of three of the largest youth ministries in America, and it was in the southeast, and they were coming in by the busloads. It was during the days of Brownsville. I began to have dreams of preaching to the nations, carrying the mercy seat. So our ministry was originally called mercy seat before we named it the remnant. we're preaching at this church in Albertville Alabama been on the road for two months I had four sermons and I'm pretty sure I copied them from TD Jakes (laughs) or Rod Parsley or one of those guys I mean I could even growl for some reason God decides to show up and pour out his glory in this little town called Albertville Alabama and the pastor says to me one day, I need you back this Sunday. I'm like, cool. I got nowhere to be. I'll be there. The next Sunday, the pastor is leading worship from the piano. And it's before Karen stepped into her prophetic anointing and dreams and visions and all of that. Today, she spoke to the Gatekeepers Conference, Women's Conference online. It was fire. But I guess during worship, they were worshiping and worship was, you know, it does this. It's the rift. It just rides. And if you're smart, you know how to walk with it and not get out of the way of it. But after a while of worship, the pastor got up, took the offering. I preached and we drove back to Birmingham. It was coming back that night. And all of a sudden I looked over and Karen was looking out the window and she was weeping. We're just 27-year-old kids, young evangelists. And I said, well, what's wrong? I mean, I, was ready. I thought somebody offended her. I went, well, what's going on? She said, I need to tell you something, but I'm scared. But I'm scared. And I said, okay, baby, just, just tell me. She said, during worship, I saw a giant, a, a warrior on a horse riding towards the church. And I went, because we had just really come out of some strong AG. We weren't used to that. is about it. I mean, that's just okay. And (laughs) she said, I saw a mighty warrior riding towards a horse. Well, I later learned that when the Bible says never be lacking in zeal, but put on spiritual fervor, that means a warrior with a face painted riding into battle with a roar. That's what it means. She said i saw a warrior on a horse riding towards the church and it was a white horse it was beautiful and it was getting closer and closer and periodically he would slow down and i would look around during worship and it's because the people were they weren't worshiping but then they would amp it back up and he would get closer and closer and i kept waiting on him to come through the back door of the church i thought he was going to explode in she said pat i was lost in this trance this thing that was happening and she had never had this happen before so it freaked her out and she said she said and he was getting so close but then they would stop and they start thinking about where they got to go eat what they got to go do this is my wife this is my little sweetheart this is before she stepped into the preach it's before she wrote her books it's before she started traveling the world she was his mama and she was happy being mama that's her first calling she'll tell you that and she said but pat he got to the door and the pastor's a good guy ended took the offering and you preached And she said, and I watched him put his head down and go the other direction. She said, what would have happened if we'd have worshipped till he came to the door? He's here. I I, got to close. It's not enough unless you come. You meet me here again. The loss of the altar call in America has led to a wandering Jesus. But the altar of brokenness is where change comes. You have to understand the altar of brokenness produces change, it's that place where He comes and He meets you. And some of you have learned to praise yourself out of a breakthrough. You don't even remember what it's like to be authentic and weep before God. He did that to me during COVID. I cried a lot. Cried a lot driving here yesterday. I'm a walking lifetime movie. Just give me a bomb, bomb, be done with it. But the Bible says in Luke 24, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Luke 24 verse 31 it goes on to say then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight and they asked each other were not our hearts burning you want to see God again it's in the breaking it's when things start to fall apart because the Bible says when he broke the bread they saw him and then he peekabooed he was out Psalms 51, what does God truly desire? A broken heart. A sacrifice. And God is saying, I'm looking for a church. I, I'm going to ask you a question and he told me to ask you, and I've been fighting it. Because it's James 4, 8, come near to God, he'll come near to you. It speaks of a broken heart and a crushed spirit. The word crushed spirit is actually the term, no joke. It literally means collapse physically or mentally. These are, it's the devastation of the Soul, it means brought to birth. When he says, "I want to crush spirit," it means you have travailed to the point that you're pushing out something that has got to come out. Because some of you been pregnant with the same vision for years and you're miserable walking around with your belly sticking out. And God is saying, "I've been trying to get some of you free. I've been calling you into freedom, but you don't want to go there." And God is saying, "I want you to weep again." What do you mean, Pat? Because godly sorrow, it's 2 Corinthians seven, brings repentance and it. And it leads to salvation and leaves no regret but sorrow brings death it's when you die to yesterday it's when he starts ripping things out of you that things start changing I wanted to preach a Holy Ghost shout and dance and word tonight but the Lord said and this is the question he had me ask this church can he trust you with visitation because if he can he will begin to muster the troops and bring them this direction and they will begin to march, but he's asking, are you willing to get out of the way? Are you willing to not prostitute the anointing? Are you willing to love each other through the awkwardness of growth? Are you willing to enjoy the birth pains? Are you willing to be a midwife and have bruised hands? Are you willing to get the towels when the water breaks? God says he is sending something here. And if you want to answer that question, that question of the breaking, because I've had it this year, I've walked through this this year I'm not the same evangelist as last year if you really want to answer that question no music if you really want to answer that question then I need you to be willing to stand up bend forward and cry out please stay we pray you were blessed by today's message for more content and to get to know us better download our app at abundantlifechurch.com